we were all defined by something. Uh, come on, baby boomers, hands up. It's amazing how uh, I came out of the hippie movement. <laughs> uh, you know, fully into the whole love, sex, rock and roll, all of that stuff. Uh, and of course, got radically saved, which I'm very thankful to God for. And in this local church, we are working hard at continuity. And in other words, this isn't a young adult church or a youth church, or this isn't a baby boomers church. We're endeavoring to be the kind of church that God wants on this planet in Johannesburg right now to make a difference. And it's amazing. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read the first couple of verses as we continue with our series. One, two. I always twist the bottom and then it kind of powers off. Um, looking at our series on the book of Acts and saying, God, help us understand the church that Jesus is building. Uh, because that's really what we want to do. And we know through the ages, um, you know, men in their brilliance, in their, uh, sometimes in their rebellion and sometimes getting caught up in religion, we go and try and build something and then we're asking God to bless us. Now let's get back to the basics. And so we kind of have look, had a look at the promise that's coming in Acts chapter 1. But of course Acts chapter 1 is um, just a, another uh, promise and another explanation of what's going to be happening that is going to be significant on the face of this planet. If we were to understand what happened in Acts chapter 2 in its kingdom implication, uh, man, I tell you, it would make a massive difference in our lives and in what we feel that we are called to as a people. So Acts chapter 2 is this boom moment. Talk, 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 and then suddenly something begins to happen. And it's interesting because as we read it, it's the people are amazed, perplexed. People are kind of blown away at what's happening. But at the same time, people are skeptical, cynical. And so that would set the trend for every single move of God. There's always an amazement. There's always... Uh, you know, kind of astonishment at what is going on, and of course, criticism and persecution and, and everything else. And so let's read this start, for me, of the mobilized church, the start of a church filled with power. Uh, you know, they'd been waiting in the starting blocks. Um, you know, Jesus said, wait, they're waiting. The Spirit of God comes, and suddenly things begin to happen. And in this uh, kind of outpouring uh, with all the signs that there were. There's a very clear message that God gives to us today. And you know, we must take off some of the glasses that we usually approach Scripture with. It's interesting. Somebody said, you know, too often we have a presupposed doctrine that we interpret Scripture with. So in other words, I approach it with Calvinism in mind. Now you've just blocked off what Scripture could challenge you where Calvinism is weak, or you could approach it with uh, a Pentecostal view or a Baptist view or uh, a, a kind of cessationist view or a, my favorite one at the moment is a reluctant continuist view. If you don't know what that means, go and Google it and you can kind of stand amazed with me. 
it's amazing how we come with these presuppositions and then we miss out on the challenge of Scripture. I want to tell us today that as the Spirit of God was poured out in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God is, He is available to us now and we need His anointing. We need His power. We don't go out to hospitals to, to just applaud the medical staff. They need that. But we go in there to lay hands on them and trust God for anointing and trust God for His power so that we would see a difference in this world. We need the Holy Spirit's power. And so what began there is continuing today. And we are the recipients of what God is doing. Until the return of Jesus Christ, we need the Holy Spirit. He's not some theory in the background. He is not some, you know, some kind of force that is to try and make the church look good or try and prop ministries up. He is the very essence of God on the earth today, manifesting Christ in our hearts and giving us the power to be the witnesses that we need to be. So let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. A miracle for any church. <laughs> <laughs> they were all together, together, in other words, there was agreement in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, are we ready for the suddenlies of God? How many things have you been praying for? Like these disciples. Family salvation. You know, some of the incredible baggage that we carry around, some of the mindsets, some of the issues. Are we prepared for when it begins to happen? There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Boy, just that has separated the church. It has caused enemies, those who are bought by the blood of Jesus, just that one statement, and as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice, as the Spirit. This wasn't a man-made thing. The tongues that came by the infilling of the Spirit was a God-ordained thing. No, no amen. <laughs> Man, just, Father, forgive us if we've limited you in any way. Now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound... So that must have been a loud sound. It must have been significant. The multitude came together. And we know from that multitude, there were 3,000 people born again that day. There must have been thousands of people gathered. So that was, it was something significant that took place. And they were bewildered. There we have our first reaction. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. That is wild absolutely wild. It had never, ever been seen before, but yet it was the direct fulfilling of Matthew chapter 28, is that the gospel will go to all nations. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and you will receive power. You will, imperative of God, so that you will be my witnesses all over the place. And God is saying, this has arrived. Because each one was hearing the gospel in their own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we are each of us his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, 
Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own, own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. <laughs> You'll always have that crowd, won't you? So I'll just try and take the significance of the moment and just kind of put some cynical spin on it. Father, we trust you now in the name of Jesus for insight. We pray not only would we know some good things or just try and understand the scriptures, but we would be open to the infilling of your Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father, so that we can have the kind of fellowship with you that you have promised, that we can be filled with the power that you have promised, and we can be the witnesses that you have commanded us to be. This country, this city needs saving, Father. And we know that many have been commissioned from this local church to go to the nations, and many more. It will happen. Isn't it interesting? Some of the commentators have said it's like a reversal of what happened at Babylon, where God took this man unity, this unity of thought and rebellion, and he split it up. And here you have it coming together again. Uh, it's the nations are, are, are hearing the, the, the message of God. And where we were divided by humanity, we united through the gospel. An awesome moment, a life-changing moment, and we sit here as a, as a result of what took place there. And so we see these prophecies and these promises fulfilled. And so this moment, it's, it's like all of history uh, had been building up to this time. This is the grandest moment, the, the, the most awesome and marvelous moment for the church. It's, it's time now for us to rise in that power that is ours, that enabling that is ours, uh, that leading that is ours, that accompaniment that is ours. We're not left as orphans. Remember the disciples, you can't go, Jesus. And he said, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And so to sit there without that kind of relationship and empowering and enabling and so on is to live as an orphan on this planet. And so in Ezekiel 39, 29, it says, I will not hide my face anymore from them. When I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord, when? And that was the when. We see it in Acts, um, <clears throat> well, Peter will quote Joel, and we'll look at that later. Promises. John the baptizer talks about what Jesus would do regarding the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And, and so John the baptizer promises that. Uh, Jesus promises that as well. We see it in Luke 11, and I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is the promise of the Father. This is the sign 
of the glorified Christ. Christ has ascended. He's glorified. He's done what he had come to do. And he's at the right hand of God interceding for us. And he has poured out his spirit so that we can walk as he walked. We can do what he did, but now in a greater way. Remember he said, you'll do greater works. And so who is he appointed for this? Every single one of us. Look around the auditorium. Just turn your head a little bit. What do you see? Normal, ordinary people. Called by God through the anointing of His Holy Spirit to do extraordinary exploits in every aspect, aspect and sphere of life. The disciples were waiting for this physical kingdom. If any of you have seen the, the chosen video series made on the, the life of the disciples and how they were chosen. Very interesting. It's kind of free on, on YouTube. You can go and see it. But what was interesting there was they brought out the fact that the disciples were looking for this physical kingdom, the overthrowing of the Romans. And we know right up until Acts chapter 1, they were still looking for that to happen. But this is what it's all about. It's not about a South Africa and it's rand changing. It's not about a political solution. It's about us being filled with the Spirit and trusting God for His kingdom to come as we preach His gospel. And there are so many people waiting out there for His kingdom to come. They don't even know it yet. And God's going to lead us to Him because He has anointed us with power to make a difference in their lives. As we go through, we see three things happen, three phenomena took place. Fire, wind, and tongues. And if you look at the subsequent outpourings of the Spirit, or if you look at any revival in history, you'll see these three things are there. Wind, wind, what is wind? Wind is movement. And so when God pours out His Spirit, it's to mobilize, energize, to increase so that the momentum of the church and what he's doing through the church can increase. And we see it every single outpouring of God's Spirit. We see it. You know yourself. I remember me dead, dead to sin at the little church where Bill Anstro, the pastor, I went to the front, gave my heart to Jesus, next Sunday baptized, come up out of the water speaking in tongues. I had no clue what was happening. Everybody applauded. I thought, oh, who doesn't want to be a Christian when they clap for you? You know? I soon had to realize I was in the center. <laughs> it was all about Jesus. But the momentum in my life, suddenly things were different. And you see, God wants to move by His Spirit. And so there we have the, the first phenomena shows us that the Holy Spirit has come to mobilize and bring momentum to the church. Second thing is fire. Fire Fire is the presence and the purity of God. You see, this, was, this wasn't to make heroes of the disciples. The outpouring of the Spirit wasn't to kind of, you know, make us look better or do something for us. And many, many have taken the move of God's Spirit to make themselves into rock star preachers or their movement to mean something. No, the move of God's Spirit, the outpouring of His Holy Spirit is to establish the presence of Jesus Christ. And, and you remember what happened when you got born again? 
and that fire burnt away that sin and you became aware of him. Moses at the burning bush. You know, it's, it's Elijah, no, Elijah, Isaiah worshiping. And then he has this revelation of God. And so what does he do? Can you just take that coal from the altar and, you know, touch my tongue? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. You see, when God moves by His Spirit, which He wants to do, there's a holy awe that comes on the church. Remember the Holy Spirit? His name is Holy Spirit. Holy brings the holiness of God, the presence of Jesus. And the third thing that happens, something vocal happens. Vocal. Something happens. Tongues is the immediate sign. And if you were to go through the rest of the book of Acts, you will see in Acts chapter 4, when the Spirit of God is poured out, the place is shaken, there's an earthquake, and they continue to speak the Word of God with boldness. So here, it is speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2, and it is, in a way, preaching, because men and women are hearing the mighty works of God proclaimed in their own language. At another time over here, it's preaching the Word with boldness. In Acts chapter 10, they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And we know that speaking in tongues, Paul mentions it. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit that enable us to hear from God. And it's also a personal prayer that we can pray and speak in the tongues of angels. We've got to take this out of arguing, you know, one way or the other when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Has He stopped? Hasn't He stopped? All I know is I need Him. I need the Holy Spirit. And let's start there and open our hearts to what He wants to do. It's interesting, in Acts chapter 19, when Paul meets these people at, uh, um, in Ephesus, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you? So we get born again by the Spirit, but now that you're born again, have you received the Spirit? I feel that's one of the things God's asking us today. We're going to pray for folk to be filled with the Spirit. If you've never been prayed for to be filled with the Spirit, we're going to trust God for that today. And guess what? If you have been filled of the Spirit, we can trust Him for subsequent infillings. The church is filled in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, they have opposition, and God fills them again. And they begin to preach with boldness. It says, after Paul had explained the gospel and all the rest, it says they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Isn't that awesome? And so this element of this. It's not just that the Spirit of God is poured out, you know, for feel good. It's to enable us to be vocal in our worship, in our prayer, in our prophecy, in our preaching. That is why the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and He brings the very presence of God, the movement of God. Thank you, Lord, for that. We need that. Excuse me. And so I want to challenge us. I'm just going to skip forward. We know that on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out, which was celebrated last Sunday, strangely enough. Um, but the original Pentecost was where the law was given, and that was rules and regulations written on paper or written on stone tablets. And now on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God is poured out. And that is the very heart of God written on hearts. And so as we walk in step with the Spirit, we fulfill the law of God. And so there's this great journey, this great adventure that God invites us on. And I tell you, it begins with saying, actually, Father, I want to submit myself to whatever you are saying. 
if this is your promise for me, the promise of the Father, the promise to the church, I want it as well. Can we pray together? Please.